Hey everybody, George Robson here, Worship Arts Pastor at Ocean Grove Online Church. Welcome to another one of our podcasts. I want to encourage you to stay with us for this week's scripture reading and message. This morning's scripture comes from the minor prophet Zephaniah. We have, uh, we'll go through a number of verses that takes us all through highlighting the three chapters, but I encourage you to read the uh, complete book. It really won't take much time throughout the course of your upcoming week if you get a chance. Zephaniah 1.7, be silent before the sovereign Lord, for the day of the Lord is near. The Lord has prepared a sacrifice. He has consecrated those he has invited. 2.3, seek the Lord, all you humble of the land. You who do what he commands, seek righteousness, seek humility. Perhaps you will be sheltered on the day of the Lord's anger. Finally, 12 through 17. But I will leave within you the meek and humble. The remnant of Israel will trust in the name of the Lord. They will do no wrong. They will tell no lies. A deceitful tongue will not be found in their mouths. They will eat and lie down, and no one will make them afraid. Sing, daughter Zion. Shout aloud, Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, daughter Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your punishment. He has turned back your enemy. The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. Never again will you fear any harm. On that day, they will say to Jerusalem, do not fear, Zion. Do not let your hands hang limp. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you but will rejoice over you with singing. May God bless his holy word. At the risk of disappointing some mothers here today or watching online or listening to our podcast, I, I got to tell you, my God-appointed text did not display even a hint of maternal significance, at least not when the Lord first pointed me to the minor prophet Zephaniah. But I got a surprise, and you'll get a surprise too. Now, even though Zephaniah is one of the least talked about prophets, he may actually have been a great-great-grandson of one of the better kings of Israel, Hezekiah, mentioned in verse 1 of Zephaniah. The name, Zephaniah the prophet, means Jehovah hides or Jehovah protects, and it appropriately describes God's ministry of protection for those that received and accepted the invitation to be his children. When his day of reckoning finally arrives, Zephaniah talks about the day of the Lord more than any other prophet, referring to it more than 20 times. The old Bible commentary author Matthew Henry cautions us to remember that this prophet's intent was, quote, not to frighten his listeners out of their wits, but to frighten them out of their sins, to move people beyond guilt and into repentance and a change of living. So, why Zephaniah? Well, all I can say is that the Lord sent me there back in April. I would have preferred a little easier preparation this week, but I am resolute that we are to include the entire counsel of God when we're doing our study and when we worship. Genesis through Malachi, and again, Matthew through Revelation, all of it contains Jesus Christ in its passages why Jesus needed to be sent, how it happened, and what remains to come in our earthly time and space until Jesus comes again, the day of the Lord arrives, and eventually a wedding feast like no other 
ushers in an eternal peace and joy that we really can't fully imagine with our finite minds. Zephaniah talks a lot about the day of the Lord, but if we're not careful to pay attention, we might miss the blessing of tenderness that's to follow. We don't find too many 21st century hymnals or individual songs containing lyrics regarding the day of the Lord anymore. Back in the early days of contemporary Christian music, you had people like Larry Norman or Twyla Paris. And of course, you go back to the 19th century, you have Charles Wesley and Isaac Watts, all including the coming day of the Lord. But much of this theme has been edited out or sidestepped in the past two decades. And yet, as I said before, we should include those still unfulfilled prophecies within that same collection of inspired books. I spent much of April sequestering myself away a few days a week in order to pray, study scripture, and write and record a couple of songs that I haven't done in, in quite a few years. And on Sunday, April 25th in particular, I set aside some time to meditate, study, and see what the Lord would have me do when I had the opportunity to preach on this particular morning. Well, it went right to Zephaniah. I was surprised as you are. It's a short book. In a way, this morning's content comes from a gleaning of all three chapters. So let's go to that first verse that I showed you. 1-7. Be silent before the sovereign Lord, for the day of the Lord is near. The Lord has prepared a sacrifice. He has consecrated those he has invited. The Amplified translation includes the admonition, hush. And I included that in one of the songs I wrote, so I'd like to include it here to add it to the NIV translation. Hush, be silent before the sovereign Lord. For the day of the Lord is near. The Lord has prepared a sacrifice. He has consecrated those he has invited consecrated those he has invited. We might want to impact that word just a little bit to describe what consecration really means. If you take a look in the dictionary or Wikipedia and a couple of other sources, it usually stands for a solemn dedication for a special purpose or a service. It literally means association with the sacred. It comes from the Latin stem consecrat, which means devoted or sacred. In the Protestant world, we, we use consecration for buildings, chapels, altars, sometimes people. But even though there might be religious leaders involved with all of that, church organizations, whether it's a Moses or an Aaron or a Samuel or an Eli, we should be very clear that in the end, it is God himself who does the real consecrating. Furthermore, if we want to be invited to the heavenly wedding feast, otherwise known as the supper of the Lamb of God, and not left out of God's perfect will, we should keep in our minds, our hearts, and our schedules an open space for any invitation which the Lord extends. Our scripture earlier this morning came from Matthew 22, verses 1 through 10. That was directly from the words of Jesus in that parable, where he talks about the kingdom of heaven like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son, and then the guests that were invited, they didn't show up. They didn't want to come. In fact, they mistreated the servants that went to invite them. 
And so then he went to his servants and said, the wedding banquet is still ready, but those I invited didn't come, so go out to the street corners, invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. Just like the religious leaders surrounding Zephaniah, the Pharisees and the Sadducees in Christ's time, or centuries of organizational faith well-intended, but gradually convoluted by legalism, our own consecration ceremonies will amount to nothing without God's invitation. It's the personal consecration, the setting apart by the Holy Spirit's blessing in claiming our spirit for Jesus that any of us needs to be the most concerned about. But instead, we get fearful about any mention of prophecy-type things, especially the day of the Lord, because we lose our focus. It comes off of Jesus and onto our fears. Chapter 1 first takes a telescopic overview of God's day of the Lord judgment on the entire earth. That's what Zephaniah is doing. There's always a near prophecy intent. So it's to the people of Judah at that point in time. But we don't want to miss that often those prophecies are also have a a second, a far-reaching prophetical intent for those throughout the centuries and for us today. So anyway, chapter 1 takes a telescopic overview of the entire earth being judged. And then gradually, through chapter 2 and into chapter 3 in Zephaniah, we get a more microscopic view of judgment on Judah itself and then the surrounding nations of Philistia, Moab, uh, there's Ammon, Ethiopia, Assyria, and then finally centering in on the city of Jerusalem. Jerusalem was a city with a people who should have known better, Zephaniah says. They were invited by God to be blessed as his chosen, but they got busy with other occupations, with other schedules, and other gods. So the first easy application to us here this morning is that we should also know better. We have warehouses of Bibles now, online resources and commentaries, mobile apps that a believer just 50 years ago could only dream about. We have God's word. We should know better. But that doesn't mean that everything that is talked about regarding Israel or Judah or Jerusalem directly applies to us. In surveying the book of Zephaniah, the longtime radio Bible teacher, Warren Wearsby, reminds us that, quote, the only nation on earth that is in a special covenant relationship with God is the nation of Israel. While many of the founding fathers of the United States of America were God-fearing men, the people of the United States cannot claim special privileges from God just because of their citizenship. So what can we claim? Well, we and members of other countries can claim the promises of God for those of his people who will obey a verse like 2 Chronicles 7.14 and intercede for the nation they happen to be a part of. 2 Chronicles 7.14, if you'll remember, reads, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. In chapter 2 of Zephaniah, we can read similar words in verse 3. Seek the Lord. This was the second verse we read today. Seek the Lord, all you humble of the land, you who do what he commands. Seek righteousness. Seek humility. 
Perhaps you will be sheltered on the day of the Lord's anger. As I took a break from writing my songs and, and meditating back in April, I was, thought I'd just check out some things that see if I was in the right direction. I opened up something from a, a Chinese evangelist called Watchman Nee, and the very devotion from April 25th when I was reading was, guess what, on consecration. Then I opened another one from Andrew Murray, uh, a 19th century evangelist from South Africa. Same thing, consecration. So I kept plugging ahead. The people of Judah didn't expect the prophecy the way it came from Zephaniah. They, verse 1-7 talks about being consecrated and there being a sacrifice. They were used to sacrifices by then. You had Moses and Aaron and the priestly line all the way up until Samuel. So the imagery was expected, but they would have expected their royal family and their religious leaders to be the guests. But in Zephaniah, the prophecy has them being the ones punished because they have abandoned God's word and adopted the worship of other gods. And after the death of King Josiah during Zephaniah's time, there's just four more kings left in Judah because the little bit of repentance that happened during Zephaniah's time, they did respond somewhat during Josiah the king and Zephaniah the prophet's time, but it didn't stick. And so you have Judah going by the wayside by the time Jesus is born. And there's no ancient king kingdom of Israel, all the way up until 1948. So there are some practical takeaways from Zephaniah 1 and 2 that apply to us, because through the chosen people, we can glean some messages, as Jesus liked to put it, some crumbs underneath the table. God judges his people when they deliberately disobey his law because they and we are to be different from the rest of the world and called not to imitate everything, that pop culture and social media bombards us with. Romans 2, 2 tells us, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Despite all of the talk of the day of the Lord and judgment and correction, when all is said and done, most minor prophets end their messages with messages of hope. Because when all is said and done, the prophets are relaying not blind anger or impetuous judgment, but in anguished and still merciful faithfulness of God. Zephaniah displays a God who remains faithful even when we are not faithful. He promises that instead of calling on their false gods, Gentiles will eventually call upon the true and living God and come alongside, as the prophet puts it, to have their lips purified, forgiven sin and a cleansed heart covered and renewed by the shed blood of Jesus Christ as the ultimate sacrifice now consecrates us. And as a result, we have the opportunity and the invitation to serve the Lord as one people, no longer divided, but serving God as Zephaniah chapter 3, 9 puts it, serving God shoulder to shoulder. The God of Israel will finally be recognized as the Lord and God of all the earth, not just of Palestine. Before our Lord's death on the cross, we were widely separated between you know, Jews and Gentiles. They just 
couldn't possibly understand one another. But Ephesians 2.11 reminds us that wall, that veil has been taken down and both Gentiles and Jews can now share in the spiritual blessings. Romans chapter one, verse 12, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Jews will look by faith upon the Messiah who was crucified as our ultimate sacrifice for our sins, as Hebrews tells us. The book of Hebrews will refer to just at the end. As Jesus predicted when he was on earth, Jews and Gentiles alike will believe on Christ and enter into a new life of the promised kingdom. We read from uh, chapter 3, verse 12, but I will leave within you the meek and humble, the remnant of Israel will trust in the name of the Lord. We don't hear nothing but anger or reckless, emotional, impulsive response from God talking about the day of the Lord. That's chastening. And if we remember to follow through and read chapter 3, we'll find more anguish than anger. Jesus cried in Matthew 23, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a mother hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. In Luke 19.41, as Jesus approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. And then here in Zephaniah 3, we find that the creating God of truth and judgment who can and will consecrate and set us apart and make us holy when we are far from being holy, that same God happens to be a singing God. The picture for Zephaniah's audience shows God the Father singing to the Jewish remnant entering the kingdom. But the wonderful ironic twist is that these, some of the most poignant verses of Scripture, They depict the same God as a loving mother singing over her children and finding quiet and peaceful joy in their presence. I got to tell you, when God pointed me to Zephaniah, I did not expect that little nugget. And just to check it out and check my theology, I turned back to old Warren Wearsby. In his commentary, he wrote about chapter 3, verse 17, Zephaniah's image of the motherhood of God assures forgiven sinners like us that God is indeed with us, God intimately loves us, and so we have nothing to fear. Are you afraid of the day of the Lord? Are you rationalizing away God's right to exhibit judgment on the earth? Maybe you've accepted Jesus as the Lamb of God as Savior, but are still pushing away the coming Lion of Judah as judge, king, and Lord. Zephaniah is indeed prophesying historical and prophetical truth, but don't miss the love and faithfulness of God. Hush, be silent before the sovereign Lord. Soon enough, you may hear a lullaby. When I was about four or five years old, I was having trouble getting to sleep on a summer night. Now you have to remember back in the 70s, not everybody had air conditioning. One of the reasons my parents moved to Clark and Central over here by Fletcher Lake was to get blessed by that Atlantic Ocean breeze. Well, some nights the breeze wasn't so prevalent or existent at all. It was one of those hot and humid nights. 
Anyway, I can remember my mother gently brushing my hair away from my sweaty forehead and just in the dim, fading light coming from the street light outside the window. I glanced up and I could faintly make out her lips moving. Now later on, I would catch this again and I, I realized she was praying over me. But on this one occasion, on that hot and summer night, I heard a faint, audible melody. She was literally singing a blessing over me, softly, hushing me. Zephaniah would add, she wasn't just singing a blessing like my mother. She was singing a blessing like God does over us. Zephaniah 1.7, hush, be silent before the sovereign Lord. For the day of the Lord is near. The day of the Lord is still in the future. The Lord has prepared a sacrifice, but Hebrews 9.12 tells us it's a sacrifice not with the blood of goats and calves, but with Jesus, the Messiah's own blood. The Son of God entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption for us. And as a result, God the Father has consecrated those he has invited. Zephaniah 2.3, seek the Lord, all you humble of the land. You who do what he commands, seek righteousness, seek humility. Hebrews 10.10 adds, sheltered on the day of the Lord's anger, because we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Finally, Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord your God in your midst is mighty to save, making no mention of past sins or even recalling them, but in order to quiet you with love, rejoices over you with singing. Amen. We really appreciate you staying with us this time around. Remember, you can always search out other podcasts from OGC by looking up Ocean Grove Church or type in oceangrovechurch.com slash podcast question mark format equals RSS in your player of choice. And if you'd like other ways to stay up to date on all things Ocean Grove Church, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as Ocean Grove Church, on Twitter as OG Church, and don't forget our website, OceanGroveChurch.com. And you can contact us via email at OceanGroveChurch at gmail.com. Until next time, we bid you peace.